Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Warning. Guests of The Roy Green Show may experience the truth, being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. And quite a week in the life of the President of the United States. He had a conversation with the Prime Minister of Australia. We'll play back for you a little later on in the hour. The reaction and response from Prime Minister Turnbull of the uh, U.S. We'll also hear Donald Trump and his views and thoughts on renegotiating NAFTA. And our Prime Minister is going to have to square his shoulders for a confrontation with Mr. Trump on the issue of uh, probably immigration and refugees. That's what uh, the U.S. president was apparently, we're told, all over the Australian prime minister about. And uh, so Mr. Trudeau is going to have to square those shoulders of his and put down the mobile phone and quit with the selfies for a little bit. And uh, we'll take some calls from you. But we're going to begin with the uh, sort of the lead story today is that a Seattle federal judge issued a nationwide temporary restraining order on President Trump's travel ban from seven Muslim-majority countries. The White House is immediately appealing the order, but in the meantime, U.S. Customs and Border Protection have begun to honor all visas invalidated by the ban, and uh, President Trump tweeted something about that so-called judge. Back with us on the program to speak about this, and we really appreciate him taking the time, is Stephen Legomsky. He was the chief counsel at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services during the Obama administration. And uh, Mr. Legomsky is also a professor of law in St. Louis. Professor, thank you very much for the time. Uh, you told us last weekend that your view at the time was that Donald Trump was constitutionally within, within his rights to declare that executive action on the travel ban. Where does this all now fit with the with the Seattle judge? And I guess my, my part B of the question is, a Seattle judge, Washington State is known as a very liberal place. Was he maybe, even though he was appointed by George W. Bush, was he maybe a more liberal-leaning judge? Would a different judge in the same area, jurisdiction, maybe have given a, a different verdict? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me back. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, I, just to clarify, uh, I, I, I've never been certain whether the court would come out the way it did on the constitutional issues. Um, I feel pretty certain that the president has the authority to decide how many refugees to admit each year and generally from where. But the big issue presented here is whether the president has acted on the basis of religious discrimination and, if so, whether that's legally permissible. So I, I think that is a tough question. And to your point, um, we just don't know how another judge would have come out. It is true that judges vary on this, although so far uh, every district judge but one has come out uh, in a way pretty similar to what this judge ruled. There have been four, right? Uh, pardon me? There have been four judges in, in, in total? Who have... uh, I think more than that. No, I want to say there have been about seven or eight. Really? There were four originally, and then there have been a couple of others since then. Yeah. Professor Legomsky, where do you, where do you see there is a breakdown in this executive action that President Trump undertook, 
Where, where are the flaws immediately visible, and, and how would you interpret why this judge in Seattle decided the way he did? It's very tricky. I guess I should first explain that there are actually two different kinds of bans that the judge struck down in this case. One relates specifically to overseas refugees. That's a 120-day moratorium on all refugee admissions from everywhere in the world, subject to a couple of important exceptions that we can come back to if you'd like, um, and also an indefinite ban on Syrian refugees. That's the refugee side of it. Right. The second ban that was announced, though, uh, is both narrower and broader. It's narrower in the sense that it applies only to people who are from any of seven particular countries, all of which are Muslim-majority. Um, but it's broader in the sense that for those individuals, it applies not just to refugees, but to anybody coming in from those countries, students, tourists, business visitors, and until very recently, uh, lawful permanent residents, green card holders. Although the government has now changed its uh, policy on that, and green card holders will be exempted from the ban. My own personal view is that um, the objections that the plaintiffs were making, based mainly on um, assertions of religious discrimination, uh, will probably be easier to sustain in the context of the ban on the seven countries than they will on the general refugee ban. I think that's going to be um, a tougher one to make stick. But then we'll have to wait and see on that. Was the main complaint from a college in the state of Washington that certain students and staff were unable to return? Uh, yeah, that was a big part of it. There was also a good deal of um, resistance from business leaders, um, who, uh, particularly in the state of Washington, uh, where some of the high-tech companies are located, uh, because those people are constantly traveling back and forth from one country to another. So there was pushback from them as well. Um, there was a vague suggestion in the opinion, I don't quite understand it, um, that Washington, the state of Washington would also lose uh, much of its funding and tax revenue from this, but there was no elaboration on why that would happen. If you were working for this president, how would you advise him to react? Well, that's a hard question for me to answer. Uh, I, I think my advice to him at the beginning would have been, don't do this. Um, the, the national security benefits are minimal, if any. There are actually some national security costs to doing this, and the human um, toll that it takes on desperate refugees is really great. Now that we are where we are, I suppose that if I were advising the president, I would perhaps suggest that he now has an easy way out, that he should just let the court decision stand and explain to the voters that he tried to do this, but that the courts wouldn't let him. That might be a way to save face. Right, but he's obviously not going to do that. I've heard, I've heard that this may very well be fast-tracked to the U.S. Supreme Court, because you can't have each decision, each executive action by Donald Trump being sidetracked to a, to a court somewhere, and the Democrats and their voters can't refight the election this way because Americans will become seriously irritated. No, no, I think that's right. The polling shows that the public is overwhelmingly opposed uh, to this, uh, to, to what has been deemed the Muslim ban. Uh, but nonetheless, it is true that at least a, I think we discussed this last time, uh, maybe not a majority, um, actually not even a plurality, but a good chunk of the American electorate did vote for Donald Trump. And to be fair to Trump, he's doing what he said he would do during the campaign. So he's being faithful to his campaign promises. Right. Um, but I think I agree with you that there's a good chance it could be fast-tracked mainly because the interests on both sides are really pretty immediate. Uh, the needs of the refugees, of course, are very immediate, but at the same time, national security needs are also uh, very urgent. They're the kinds of things that can't be put off for too long. 
And uh, we, in addition to getting to the Supreme Court, I should mention that we really don't know at this point how long even this temporary stay will be in effect. Uh, the judge is supposed to hold a hearing, uh, most likely, I'm guessing, early, next, early this coming week to decide whether to extend the stay. And in addition to that, the government will most likely appeal to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, which is the circuit that covers most of the western United States, most of the west coast, I should say, of the U.S., and that court could easily dissolve the stay or dissolve part of it. So um, one of the things that I think people who hold these visas, who hold valid visas now, but who are overseas need to think about is getting to the U.S. very fast. Yeah. It could disappear without any notice. How quickly might that Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal um, respond and, and issue a judgment? Uh, they could conceivably respond within hours of the motion. Oh, really? Um, they'll be ready for it now. I, I don't think that will happen, but it wouldn't shock me at all if they responded within a day or two. Um, maybe I should maybe I should qualify that. I think that if the court were inclined to reverse the motion, it might respond fairly quickly. Um, but if the court is inclined toward affirming the motion, if it, think, if it thinks that's what it's likely to do, then there probably wouldn't be much harm in the, ju- in the court taking its time to decide because the stay will remain in effect until they say otherwise. Possible intervention by the Supreme Court of the United States notwithstanding. Should we prepare ourselves for more of the same, uh, at least in the short term, maybe in the next, I don't know, 12 months or possibly longer? Um, by that, do you mean on other executive actions? Or on well, more executive actions, more protests, more, 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 t- more, more court challenges by various attorneys general of, uh, of different states. Yeah, I think we probably will. Uh, this was what um, the Republicans did to President Obama when he was in office. They went out and found friendly uh, uh, judicial forums, because if it's a nationwide policy, uh, one of the advantages of the person challenging it is that they can pick their forum. And in the case of President Obama's executive actions on immigration, uh, they did that, and they found uh, an extreme anti-immigrant uh, judge and uh, ended up stalling the program. Uh, now the shoe is on the other foot, of course. Um, there were similar actions, by the way, uh, to shut down a federal government policy that granted equal rights to transgender students. Uh, there was another one in the labor law area. So I'm guessing that um, Democrats and progressives will use a similar strategy in trying to get the courts to shut down some of the more radical policies. Well, uh, I guess more of the same. More of the same. Professor Lugomsky, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, two weekends in a row. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Have a great day. Professor Stephen Legomsky, the uh, former uh, chief counsel for the Office of Citizenship and Immigration in the United States under the Obama administration. Now, Donald Trump also had a conversation with Malcolm Turnbull, the prime minister of Australia, and very animated conversation from what we understand, even though they're trying to walk it back now. People have seen transcripts, and I think it was the White House that talked about it. I know, I know certainly Donald Trump said it was an animated conversation. Now they're saying it was quite friendly. And the talk is that Donald Trump hung up on the Australian prime minister after 25 minutes of trying to say that that didn't happen. Now, how did Malcolm Turnbull react and respond to his conversation with the United States president? Remember, Australia has been a steadfast ally of the U.S. for generations. We're going to listen to the Australian Prime Minister, when we come back. And then we'll hear Donald Trump talking about NAFTA, because as I said earlier, Justin Trudeau is going to have to square his shoulders and work on that left jab. 
It was, it was pretty bad in your fight against the senator, prime minister. That was a crappy left jab. And you just, it's arm punching you're doing. It doesn't work. You're just sort of reaching and tapping. You've got to swivel. You've got to step in. And you've got to get your body behind the punch. And your punch head should be going upwards and in with your right hook. And then, surprise him, not a left jab, right hook and in. And then over the top with your left, somewhere around the temple. It's a 10 count and he's out. I know you'll never take my advice, Mr. Trudeau. We'll come back in a minute.